You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Hello. How are we doing this week, gents? Not too bad. It's 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 another week already. I don't know where all the time's gone. It's like March next week. It's crazy. It's absolutely bonkers. But I'm I'm glad that we're all here. We've all survived the free storms that have hit the UK in the last sort of like four days. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fairly mental. Maybe it's got something to do with the Eldar coming, Jay. I don't I don't know. I don't know yep. if they have that. Eldritch kind of Omens. Yeah, well, they have lots of power, but I, yeah, I don't think they would um, localize a weather storm over crew. You know, no, probably, probably got not. bigger fish to fry. Yeah, what like Northwich? <laughs> <laughs> Apologies if you've got any listeners from Northwich. Dave obviously doesn't like them. <laughs> um, speaking of the elder, I believe they may be getting a mention in this week's news. Is that right, Matt? It may well be true. Yes. Yeah, they might appear in in a couple of places within the news segment. Uh, we've got a really interesting topic this week, and it kind of came off the back of last week when we were talking about the, the price increases and we were talking about, you know, be quite clever with how you sort of buy your models and you'd be able to build up armies fairly cheap. So Matt decided to lay down the gauntlet and challenged all of us to build the cheapest armies that we could, a thousand points, Age of Sigmar or 40k, um, and then discuss it on this week's show. So that is exactly what we're going to do. So we're, we've all come up with these different army lists we're going to take you through the army list and take you through how much they cost and then we'll have a general discussion as well about picking models upon the cheap and, and building armies and stuff so that should be pretty fun yeah, uh, we've, oh, yeah. Uh, also this coming weekend is the black library celebration and to celebrate said celebration we're going to be talking about our top three black library novels a, a classic we've done this a couple of times before um but yeah we're, we're coming back to it again this week and we'll be reading out some of the community top three picks as well. I think there's quite a few over on Twitter. Um, so it should be uh, interesting to see what you guys have picked. Uh, and then, of course, we've got all the latest news as well. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. And I'm going to go first again, I think. I think I think went, I went first last week. But unfortunately, um, due to, to real life, um, my tile project is, is um, not progressed quite how I wanted it to. Um, and it's left me in a bit of a quandary if I'm going to take them on Sunday to the tournament or not, because they're really going to be a lot more unfinished than I anticipated. So I don't know. I, well, I, I actually need to double check when the list needs to be submitted. It's got to be. You could um, you could always borrow my towel, Dave, if you did want to use towel. Oh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. I might talk about that to you actually. Well, what I'll do is before I give them to you, I'll just shove a load of potatoes down the barrels of the weapons. Well, I haven't, and you know, and I've got I've oh, got two hammerheads, but luckily I didn't. The, the turrets aren't glued on, so I'll swap the turrets as well, so they're not got real guns. <laughs> um, I'll put a bolt pistol on instead. I might talk to you after the show then, Jay. I might, I might, I might use those on Sunday. But alternatively, I've got a couple of lists. Um, I've got an admit list that I've written, which is uh, pretty good. I've written a Death Watch list, which I thought could be quite fun. Um, which, uh, which, uh, 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 is a tiny bit to finish painting on those, but that could be quite fun. Uh, I think there might be quite a few Xenos players knocking around as well. So, 
that could be quite fun. Um, and I've also got a death card list as well, and my Necron list. So I've got quite a few options, um, but I, I do really fancy using Tau, so I might have a chat with you, Jay. I mean, I could just take them as as the, you know they will be when they come to Sunday. I just go into a tournament. I'd like them to be at least a little bit more finished than they than they are. And points for them being painted as well, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only yeah. points I get this this weekend. Uh, well, I really don't want to come in with the wooden spoon this weekend. I'm normally around that kind of point or position, but not this weekend. I don't want it to happen this weekend. So Spoilers, all... it might not be a wooden spoon anymore. Oh, oh! This I can't say. It. I'm not saying anything. I can't oh, remember wow. if we've actually because um, we we wanted to upgrade the wooden spoon, but Ooh. I can't remember if we've actually bought it for this event. Well, I, even I'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> 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 Um, so that does me really a, a very quiet one on the hobby. Um, let's move over to you, Andy. What have you been up to? Um, well, I think I've probably done less hobby. Uh, this week's been a very quiet week for me. Um, I finished painting up the change caster for my disciples of Zinch. Um, so that gives me a chaos unit. So that's um, um, one of each of the four grand alliances painted up a unit for each of them so that's another one of my hobby resolutions done um which yeah, yeah. But at this rate i'll be halfway through the year and i'll be like oh i've got one more to do but i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna have a party popper on standby for the the first week that we do this podcast and andy goes i've not done a hobby resolution this week <laughs> yeah, but, oh no don't say that <laughs> um it, so yeah so I've, I've painted change caster um i finished painting up some more um, Age Sigma scenery. There's some um, I can't remember what we're called, but like it's almost like little debris, sort of scatter scenery bits. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're quite nice pieces as well, aren't they? Just add some flavour to the table. Oh god, yeah. They're good on the monster bases as well, I think. Yeah, I've used some on my um, Mega Gargans on my Sons of Bear map just to break up the base and make them look a bit more interesting and stuff. Uh, so I painted that, painted the change caster. Um, and apart from that, I finally finished reading Dominion, um, which was a great book. Absolutely loved it. The ending was perfect. It was so much build up and so much character development. And it, it like without spoiling too much, the Stormcast, while are, you know, super strong, 10 Stormcasts are nothing compared to like a thousand cruel boys. And it really comes across like that. And it was just such a good book to read. Um, but yeah, so I finished that. Um, unfortunately, because I started it last year, like beginning of December, I think it was, it doesn't count as me reading a Black Library novel <laughs> this year, <laughs> which is another one of my hobby resolutions. Um, so, yeah. So I, I've done a bit of painting, but I've been mostly finishing off the Dominion book. But now that's done, hopefully next week. Or this week, this week, this yeah, this week. Um, I should get some more more painting done. But I was trying to um, do what you guys are doing with like a painting calendar. I'm trying to sort of like look at what I've got, what projects that I've got, and when I want to sort of do them. And yeah, I was looking at like doing some fire slayers, trying to get a thousand points of fire slayers done by the end of March. And obviously we've got a couple of days. We've got like what a week left of um, February, so I think having a quiet week this week just to finish off a few character models or whatever 
and then jump into that Fire Slayer project next week would be uh, would be good. But yeah, who knows? I'm like a hobby butterfly. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Matt, what have you been up to? So obviously we've, we've, we've mentioned the Purple Sparklies one day, 1,000 points, 440,000 event coming this coming Sunday, I believe. Uh, and I was I was working out some of this and like like Dave, I want to do well at this one. I want to do well. I sometimes just take a joke first or, you know, some whatever looks cool. But I've actually written what I think is a half decent Gene Stealer cult list. So I had to amend a few units. I took some stuff out. I added in a unit of Gene Stealers because they're frankly terrifying in this uh, this book. One of the best units in the book. But I didn't actually have any Gene Stealers painted. And I loathe those <clears throat> old Gene Stealer models, particularly because they're on 25 mil bases and they're just like holding hands or toppling over whenever you touch them. Mm-hmm. So I went to uh, Warhammer crew bought a pack of 32 mil bases, rebased them, and I was much happier with them because they're not as top heavy anymore. And yeah, over a couple of nights, painted them up. Really simple scheme, same as all my gribbly uh, Gene Sealer Court stuff. The classic kind of blue and purple scheme because I don't like the the newer scheme that they've got for the studio models. Gene Sealers to me are always purple and blue, so I've done them like that. Really happy with that. I also had a um, banner bearer for my gene stealer cult i just needed to finish off as well so the gene stealers are finished ready for the event mm. and i started work on the bliss barb archers uh, a quick hour before the podcast i've got all the gold down on them and then hoping to do the silver after the show and then tomorrow on my lunch i can get the purple contrast down on the gold and then they're ready to start highlighting the metal which is the most time consuming part of the model but it looks really nice when they're done Excellent. Yeah, they look really, really cool. I really like your Gene Steeler cults. They're such a nice army. Um, and yeah, those Gene Steelers will be absolutely yeah. brutal. Well, hopefully, hopefully on Saturday we can uh, have a bit of a practice game with whatever Abs- you decide to use. Absolutely. Dave. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, should be really, really fun. Uh, give the new table a tryout as well. Mm. That leaves you, Jay. What have you been up to this oh, week? In the I've been standing at the window waiting for the storm to end. <laughs> just bear with me two seconds <coughs> Chinese went down the wrong way um, yes so we've had the bad weather uh, I've had lots of Eldar on my painting desk all built based ready to go out and get sprayed I've not been able to spray them I've been waiting I mean you've seen the WhatsApp chat every every day for like last week I've been looking to get outside and spray these guys and I haven't been able to um, I found a window today I managed to get them all sprayed today so I am currently working on them. So I would like to take the Eldar to the um, Purple Sparkle Unicorns in my new sort of LE top colour scheme. Um, obviously, the new Codex, I think he's up for pre-order on Saturday. So it will be using the old Eldar rules. So it'll be like a swan song for the Eldar. Um, so, yeah, so I've got my striking scorpions in front of me there. Painted, sprayed now, ready to paint green. I've just got to figure out a green recipe. I did manage to finish off my Wave Serpent. Nice. Um, well, so I've got my transport done. <clears throat> um, so that's it on the sort of Warhammer hobby side. Um, Warhammer Total War 3 came out uh, a couple of days ago. So I've been playing that as well. And this is really interesting. You guys are going to love this. So um, I've been st- I started a campaign with the Grand Cafe. So obviously we've got Kislev, Grand Cafe um, and the, the four demon armies that you can sort of in the base sort of Warhammer Total War 3 game. They're the four, uh, six armies that you can use. And um, the 
Grand Cafe one is very, very interesting because it has a really, really cool mechanic where some of their units are um, yin aligned and some of them are yang aligned. And um, you have to balance that, you achieve like a harmony across your army and across even your uh, sort of campaign map, all your provinces and things. And in the game, <clears throat> they have effects that are amplified um, if you've got um, you, you sort of you balance across your force. So you put these opposing units next to each other and you have more opposing units next to each other and it amplifies their effects. Um, and, it, you know, I, I, I have a, a really uh, strong feeling that th- these are the kind of mechanics we'll see go into the um, Grand Cafe when we finally get the old world, um, you know, the tabletop miniature game mm. uh, released by Games Workshop. Um, I've not played as the Kislev yet. The prologue campaigns with the Kislev, it's really, really cool. Um, but I'm also going to I'm going to start a campaign up with the Kislev just to see what their sort of mechanic is like as well and see if that gives us any hints about what we might see with the old world. Um, <clears throat> and then the last couple of days, obviously playing Warhammer Total War, it's the old sort of rank and file, big blocks of infantry, you know, blocks of cavalry crashing into the flanks and things like that. And it got me really hankering for that sort of style game. So I went, I've been online and I've been nosing around about what the alternatives are out there. There's the, uh, is it um, Last Conquest of Kings? Mm. Is uh, is one that looks quite cool. Yeah, we did we did a review on that last last summer. I want to say it, it all blurs together lockdown, but it's written by um, Alessio Cavatori, who wrote uh, the previous edition of Warhammer. So it's very much Warhammer under a different name. Yeah, so so I was looking at that, but it's quite expensive to get into. I think um, I think there is like a, a skirmishy type game, first blood that you can sort of buy. You know, start with smaller army. Um, more skirmish based than, than rank and file um, so I was looking at that and then I um, stumbled across upon and I, it was Duncan actually Duncan Rhodes, he's been painting a load of um, Song of Ice and Fire um, Game of Thrones miniature game from Cool Mini or Not and right now you can pick up some bargains in the starter sets for the different factions there uh, I've watched a few videos and um, I think, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. So actually, I've, I've cheekily ordered the Night's Watch starter set because um, it was only 38 quid or something on Amazon. Have you Prime. ordered it? You've ordered it. I, I thought you'd, I thought you'd, um, you'd end up ordering that by the end of the day, Jay. Yeah, well, I, it's just a steal at that price. Um, you get the rules included in there. So I think I have to buy, there's been like an update for 2022 or 2021. So I need to, I might need to buy a pack of cards with all the tactics and things on them. Um, but looking at some of the painting videos as well, Unlike Games Workshop, they're really they're pre-built models that come, so you'd have to put them together. Uh, they all come in in different shades of plastic, so I think the Lannisters are red and um, Stark are grey and things like this. So, so you know you can just get the the army on the battlefield and start playing. You don't need to worry about putting paint on them initially. Um, but then also, I think the details on them they're not overly complex, so I, I don't think it will take too long to get a force um, painted. And and I've been watching some of Duncan's well, looking at some of Duncan's videos that they're pictures that he's painted and they look really really good when they're all painted up um so yeah so uh, i think i'm gonna uh, try and get these guys and see if you guys can can get a game in and see what this system's like um yeah, well, yeah. We've, we've, we've looked at this in the past i think at uk games like spoke a couple yeah. of years ago it's been out a few years now and we've, we've always ummed and ahed but never kind of taken the plunge and i think part of the problem was it had quite a relatively expensive starter box, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and some factions didn't have a starter box at all. Where now each of those factions has got, I think it's about eighty pounds RRP for the starter box. But like you say, uh, recently a, a kind of is it, they've got a bit of a living rulebook going on, and there's been a bit of an update, and a lot of the old cards have changed. So presumably these are going to get reboxed. And like you say, some of those older boxes 
there's, there's definitely some bargains. Now, I, I, I've got a bit of a craving for the Lannisters because I quite like knights and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm always going to go for the bad guys, haven't I? So it's going to be the Lannisters. And they do a, a, a Lannister versus Stark start a game, which I think would definitely be worth picking up. Um, so, yeah, that's potentially on my shopping list in the near future, too. Yeah, excellent. So that's, that's, my, that's my hobby that's this fun. week. Jay's been very, uh, very busy there. Uh, excellent. That wraps up our introduction to this week's show. We have plenty of content to get through, so we're going to take a slight pause and we'll be right back with the news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, I'm sure Jay's going to be super, super excited because uh, on Saturday, the new Eldar range is up for pre-order. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming, but we're finally there. Codex Eldari is up for pre-order, £32.50. Now, I believe all these prices are the new adjusted prices, but don't quote me on that. It's not my fault if they go up a little bit in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, there is, they seem to be the second biggest codex they've done after the Space Marines one. So really looking forward to seeing what's in there. We've had a few little teasers, haven't we, on Warcom with some crazy good stuff in there. So uh, yeah, I think... A lot of the competitive players might be moving to Eldo in the near future. Uh, alongside the Codex, we've got the data cards at £17. Again, as we mentioned last week, those data cards are getting a little bit on the pricey side, but they are handy to have. The dice are £24. They are really nice dice as well. I know you said that you wanted to pick these up, Jay. Yeah, they're, they're, to me, they're, they're almost the same, obviously a different colour, like the Luminef dice with that sort of um, crystal-y type look to them. Obviously, the Luminef yeah. ones are, are, are yellow. These ones are blue. But, oh, yeah, I, I love these ones. I'll be grabbing these. They're really cool. The new Guardians are up for pre-order at £32.50. Uh, the new Warlocks at £32.50. You get two in the pack there. That box seems a little bit on the pricey side for what you get, but uh, um, they do look really, really cool. Uh, Morgan Ra is £27.50, and the Dark Reapers are £35. I think, generally speaking, those prices are kind of in line what we're going to expect, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but there's also some other stuff. So that's all the stuff that's available everywhere. There's some direct-only stuff, such as the separate parts of the Triumvirate of Iniad. Is that, is that the correct? Iniad, I don't know. I don't know. The God of the Dead. God of the Dead. Uh, so, yeah, this is um, Ivran, Ivrain, who knows, uh, the Visiarch and the um, Incarn. Yeah, the Avatar of uh, Iniad or Yenid or... Avatar of the Undead King. The <laughs> yeah, so 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 these have previously been available in that, that Triumvirate box, but now they're available separately for the first time, which is pretty cool because you're not necessarily going to want all of those. And, um, you know, again, if you just want to paint up the um, Incarn because it's an ace model and looks a bit slaneshy, you can do that now. Um, for Middle-Earth strategy battle game fans, we have the some new models from the upcoming... Um, Easterling range that's on the horizon and presumably this book will be coming out at some point soon uh rutabi and Brogear, two um easterling heroes now andy you've, you've been talking about easterlings and doing a bit of a middle earth force what do you think of these guys um can i add them to cart now <laughs> unfortunately not <laughs> but yeah you should be able to on friday i believe at 10 a.m 10 a.m. Yeah, I, but uh, they both look awesome, don't they? I mean, I, the priest looks very imposing. Um, you know, standing on that rock with a big spear, 
Yeah, and we have a guy of what's the other guy named with the shield? The guy with the shield. Yeah. Is that is that Rutabi? Rutabi. He looks really cool as well. And I think they've shown off his um profile on a Warcom article with like um free attacks, I think it is, which is pretty pretty good, good for, for Middle Earth. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he was personally trained by the Dragon Emperor himself, so and presumably we're getting a model of a Dragon Emperor as well, so that's gonna be the really exciting one, isn't it? Uh, the, the the fellow with the spear, Brogear, kind of reminds me a bit of Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a helmet, isn't it? It is. I mean, they look cool. I like the Eastling stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing these smash some dwarves in the face in the upcoming yeah. campaign book. We can try. It, it seems to be a long time since we heard about that. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see this because I think all three of us slash four of us would give a bit of a middle earth a, a go um and to create some little forces around this campaign which seems to be a really good thing to do with these if you've got a little bit of a gaming group and someone wants to do the dwarves and someone wants to do the orcs and someone wants to do the easterlings it kind of lends itself quite well to that because there isn't a massive miniatures outlay is there yeah that's right so yeah looking forward to it and um, we also got some interesting news today about kill team knackmond the new Kill Team box. Now, obviously, we knew that the Corsairs were coming in. We'd, we'd known about that a little while ago. But we didn't know who the adversaries were. Now, we'd assumed that they were going to be Chaos Cultists, Mutants, The Lost and the Damned, something like that. Well, but we saw that artwork, didn't we? We will. We did. And that's not to say that when the Chaos Space Marines come out that they don't get something like that. I, I highly believe that they do just, just because of the artwork. Um, we, we're, we're way off the mark for the models in this box, though. It is actually a new unit, Chaos Space Marine Legionaries. Ooh. So this, whether that's just how the, the standard Chaos Space Marine squads rebranded in the new book or whether it's a separate profile, kind of like uh, the veteran equivalent, somewhere between normal Chaos Space Marines and Chosen, maybe. I don't know. This is just guesswork at the minute. But essentially, like with the um, the, the Tau kill team is an upgrade sprue that basically unlocks a load of new options for chaos space marines you've got a guy with an awesome looking rotary cannon you've got a really cool guy with a two-handed axe you've got what i can only describe as bane with flayed kind of skin yeah. as his loincloth <laughs> um, a kind of possessed looking guy with a mutated power claw there's some really really cool models in this box my favorite one is the very word berry uh, kind of psycho guy who's kind of got demonic flame coming out of his hands and a flaming sword and a big old yeah. book on his backpack. So yeah, these are absolutely getting painted up as word bearers um, because they need some they need some troops. And that's not all, guys. Inside the box, I've done a little bit of maths and there's about a hundred pounds of sector mechanica scenery as well. Wow. Oh, nice. So yeah, it. Looks like a really good set. Now I don't know how much this will be. Obviously, with the price adjustments and stuff. You know, could be could be 125, could be 135. To be fair, considering it's got the two kill teams and the scenery in it, I think even that'd be a good price. Obviously, it depends what they they put it as. Um, I mean, I know like me and Jay, I'm fairly fairly certain I will want to split one of these for the uh, the Eldar and the Chaos Space Marines. Yeah, I'm well, a, we're gone. I was gonna say for two reasons. Obviously, uh, to add to my, my, my new Eldar, I mean that I'm building, I want I want those Corsairs. They look so cool. But actually, we've had some Ace games of Kill Team um, mm. since it came out, and I've used the Custodians. We've used the Orcs. 
Um, and I really want to play more Kill Team. It's just trying to find a faction that I want to play as. And obviously, these Eldar are going to be brilliant for that. So I can see myself playing tons more Kill Team off the back of this box. Yeah, it was nice. Some of the games we streamed, it took a little bit longer because we were explaining the, the, the kind of the rules. But the game itself is quite nice contained in a small footprint. You could easily play this in like a bar or something on a small table. That's yeah. kind of how small a footprint is. And um, yeah, but one of the problems that we found when the game came out is that the... The, the the boxed game teams were so much more fun and flavorful than the kind of compendium ones. So as this then has the quote marks full rules for the Chaos Space Marines with lots of different unit types, again, that's going to make them a lot more interesting to play than the, the generic Chaos Space Marine list out of the book. So yeah, really be looking forward to it. Um, Dave and Andy, I don't know if you two have actually played any Kill Team. I know you got the uh, Chownath box, Dave, and... I'm sure you're tempted to take the uh, the sisters out for a, a test run. Well, you guys even, the sisters, to, uh... even the sisters or the Pathfinders. Uh, well, the Pathfinders yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind giving it a go at some point. Yeah, I, I, I played a couple of games of a previous edition, but I've not I've not played any games of a new edition. Simpler to what Jay was saying, I haven't... Uh, looking at the factions and stuff like that, enough, I've not had any thing jump out at me and go hey i want you know paint me sort of thing um but yeah i've i'd like to pick up a rule book read it i mean i watched the um blood angels versus gene Steeler court battle report we did on uh warhammer tv and that looked really good like really really good so yeah it, it and again it's one of these nice small games you know you you can paint up 10 models and that would do you you know you, you sorted aren't you so yeah, it's well, definitely we, something I'd look into. We might we might talk about this later on in the show, but from a, from a, from a cost point, I, I mean, oh, yeah, this is going to be in a big expensive box, but when you can pick up just that kill team and the rules, that's a really kind of cheap way to get into the miniature gaming. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right because, like I say, it's, it's it's a game in a box, isn't it? Yeah, it, exactly. It's got hopefully it's got everything. I don't think it's got the temp and stuff now we had a similar situation with Chowner that arguably you need either the, the core book or the or the starter set with it mm. so we'll have to see the full details i suspect that this is going to be a similar situation to Chowner, where it's more of a expansion on top of the core box rather than a self-contained game itself but uh, yeah. certainly value wise it's got an awful lot of stuff in it and finally in the news um oh i say he's finally almost finally in the news uh, a certain mr henry cavill came to warhammer world uh the other day uh, and uh yeah it kind of took took the internet by storm i think warhammer world and henry cavill was tr- trending on twitter for the good majority of uh, the day that he visited um <laughs> it's kind of well known that he's a bit of a warhammer fan he was kind of um uh, graham norton kind of shot himself in the fun by kind of mocking his his warhammer love and then he just got absolutely roasted by him. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, and yeah, he was he was there, presumably as a guest of um, Warhammer TV. Now, what I find interesting is that one of the people who was showing him around is Andy Smiley, who previously did a lot of the um, kind of like events and stuff and stuff like that. But I believe currently he is in charge of Warhammer Storyforge. So just saying, oh. you know, maybe even they're just for a cameo or something. But it's certainly interesting that that was the person who was showing him around. Interesting. That's very interesting. Even for like, even if we're not talking like a big project, even as a voiceover for for a, for a new animation or something, be really cool. Maybe well, a custodies yeah. one. They had Brian Blessed do uh, Go Trek, didn't they? And that was pretty yeah. big. 
So it, I, I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that he even gets a tiny little cameo in a in a Warhammer TV show. Mm. We shall see. I might be completely wrong, but just you know, notice who's who's involved in things. Uh, um, yeah, it's really cool. It's we're kind of good because me and you had planned on going to Warhammer World that day, yeah. Andy, for whatever reason. Yeah. We, we couldn't we couldn't get it sorted. I, I'm kind of glad we didn't because I think if we got there. I probably would have turned into a five-year-old and just been like, oh, my God, for about two hours. So I think Henry Cavill yeah. dodged a bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, My uh, my partner, Amy, she was asking me whether I fancy going to Warhammer World in a couple of weeks' time. She's never asked me before. <laughs> <laughs> just, they're just hanging around for him. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, so uh, then we've got – so that's some cool news of, of kind of like – nerd royalty who's been visiting the holy land and then we we end on on a sad note and i think we need to have a minute silence and you know fly the the warhammer flag for the loss of a, of a, of a very loved comrade in arms vorgrath and scarlock the school host of corn is sadly no longer available on the forge world website and i noticed yesterday that it was in the um the last chance to order tab i was like oh that's interesting clicked through and it is no longer available. Wowzers. Yeah, Dave, now can I... you get any um, sort of like funeral music or anything like that? Or already, already playing, Andy. Already playing. Already playing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a sad time because this is one of my favourite Age of Sigmar models. I was lucky enough to, to, to get one. And um, I, I, I know it was a bit of a labour of love for uh, um, Trish, who sculpted it. I know it had been... In, in the works for a very, 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 very long time. Um, and uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's been on sale that long, really, compared to some other Forge World kits, has it? No. no I remember um, Yeah, I remember seeing the work-in-progress sculpts of it and things as well. It shows... Someone, someone on Twitter, I forget who it was, but someone on Twitter joked that it must be the only miniature that has been in development being sculpted for longer than it was on Skitsale. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, at the end of the day, I guess the Forge World models are kind of display pieces first and gaming components second, aren't they? And presumably, we're not going to see another edition of the the rules for for the uh, the Corn Duo, which is a shame. I, I did enjoy using it in games, but it is. I think we mentioned this about something last week as well. It is a little bit on the big side to use for proper gaming. Yeah, that the Exalted Corn Bloodthirster, wasn't it? We were talking yeah, so, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You, you've so always got you've always got that trophy to look at matt and think he won that with me he did exactly and you know what he'll still look ace on the shelf as well so yeah, yeah bad news to anyone who wanted to buy one though but um i guess at the end of the day it is a very niche expensive model isn't it yeah man better buy smog before he goes the same way <laughs> wow smog will be going up 10 percent soon as well yeah <laughs> Excellent. Well, I say excellent. It's not excellent for for the old corn fans, but um, at least you've got yours, Matt. That's uh, that's that's the important thing for us. And I'm sure he'll make an appearance in future games, um, regardless if he gets updates or not. We'll use him as a scenery piece. We'll fight on him. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Right. um, We're going to take another pause. We've got quite an interesting segment coming up next. So grab a fresh brew and uh, stick with us.
As mentioned at the top of the show, Matt laid down the gauntlet after last week's recording of the podcast and challenged all of us to make lists a thousand points as cheap as possible in in pound value. Um, so Matt, what what limitations did you give us? So we, we we had a lot of freedom, but we did have some rules. Firstly, they have to be legal armies. So, you know, you've got to be able to play a game with them. You can't just take a random assortment of models that you can't use. Secondly... That's what I do when I go to all my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, same here, but, you know. Um, uh, secondly, they, uh, there's been some great value battle boxes in the past, but you can't buy them now. So the other rule was you have to be able to buy it today. Now, you're free to be able to buy it from wherever you wish, um, so if you can get it on an independent store that's cheaper than Games Workshop, you can do that. And essentially, the army that gets the, 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 the cheapest will win. So we're trying to get to as close to a possible as a thousand points, and then we'll work out the pence per point to see who the ultimate winner is. And I think it's going to be quite a close one because I, I think we've all got some different forces and um, saved as many pennies as we could. Yeah, and these could have been from um, 40k or or Age of Sigmar. Or Middle Earth um, if you want, but I don't or, think you can get it quite as cheap in Middle Earth. No, unfortunately mm. not, I don't think. Um, plus, a thousand points is a pretty big Middle Earth game, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you could get the Fellowship. The Fellowship's like 800 points. You could, yeah. True. Okay, um, that probably missed the what's it there actually, Andy, with that one. <laughs> no, I just thought about that. I was like, that would have been easy. <laughs> um, so I want to start us off um, with uh, with my army. So before I say which army I went for, I was looking at and you know what do you guys might have gone for this, but I was looking at maybe Space Marine Stormcast. You had the big starter boxes, but then there was a lot of variables like selling half of the set to make back some money and there's you know quite a few things there that aren't guaranteed it's a bit more effort so i was scouring the website trying to think what else can we go for you know trying to patch together some units and stuff and then i came across one which was super easy so ladies and gentlemen i want to start us off in the mortal realms and we're going to be talking about the seraphon so the Seraphon are quite handy in that they have two start collecting boxes. They have a start collecting box for the Seraphon, and then they have a start collecting box for the Skinks. So I took both of these boxes and I created a list. So I want to run through said list. You've got we've got two leaders here. We've got a Saurus Scar Veteran on Carnosaur. I was going to make this a Old Blood, but um, I wanted to get as much of the boxes in this army as I could. So I dropped him down to a Scar Veteran. He's then backed up with a Skink Star Priest. So that's my, my leaders. I've got three battle line. I've got a unit of Skinks. Um, only a small unit, a, a, a ten-man unit. Um, five Saurus Knights and also ten Saurus Warriors. We then have a Bear Moth. We've got a Bastilodon with a Solar Engine. And then to round out the list, we've got some Pterodon Riders. That gives you 990 points worth of Seraphon. Ooh, nice. And quite a quite a balanced little list, really. Yeah, uh, nice selection of units. It is, isn't it? So here's the damage. How much would this cost you? So we're going to look at Games Workshop first. The Seraphon start collecting box is currently priced at £55. The Skinks starter box is slightly more expensive at £60. So if you were to purchase it from Games Workshop, it would cost you £115, which Matt, I might have done my maths wrong here, but I think that works out about 12p per point. Okay, okay. Alternatively, 
I had a look over at our affiliates over at Element Games. You can currently pick up the Seraphon Star Collecting Box at £46.75. You can pick up the Skinks Star Collecting Box at £51, giving you a grand total of £97.75p, which is roughly, I've worked out, 10p per point for those. Dave, um, Dave, you can actually save yourself £10. If you go to Alchemist Workshop, you can get both boxes for £87.85, putting you at a 8.7 pence per point. Ah, I did mean to look at some third parties, but I just jumped straight to, to Element with the, being our buddies. Um, so I <laughs> thought that was it. Now, the only caveat with this is these are start collecting boxes. So if you want to start a Seraphon Army and you quite like the sound of that as a starting force, you might want to go for it sooner rather than later because if the Seraphon end up getting a new battle tone later on this year, these start collecting boxes will probably be replaced with a single vanguard i think they're called now aren't they for age of sigma and we don't obviously know what's going to be in that uh, only that there will be one at some point so uh, these are still available though you can purchase them right now so you can start yourself a seraphon army for under 90 pounds which i thought was pretty good it's good yeah uh shall we go over to to you matt what, what have you found so I've I've travelled to the grim darkness of the far future, and I felt I've got to be on brand, haven't I? I've got to go with chaos. So I went with chaos space marines, and um, yeah, my list is a master of possession, a warp smith, a unit of great possessed, a unit of chosen. Now, chosen, I have given uh, two combi plasmas, a plasma pistol, a power fist. Um, we have got a unit of chaos space marines. The chaos space marines have got a plasma gun, a reaper chain cannon. And lots of bolt guns. We've got a Mauler Fiend, a unit of obliterators, and a Venom Crawler. Comes out at 1,000 points on the nose, and that oh. is in a spearhead detachment. Ooh, nice. So yeah, obviously you wanted to maximise the the points that you get in this in this set. So in order to purchase this, you actually only need to buy two boxes, much like your army, Dave. So first of all, I headed to Alchemist. And picked up Eldritch Omens for £100. I then sold the Eldar on eBay for £60, <laughs> which is actually cheaper, which is actually cheaper than the the most recent um, buy it now price that sold. You can probably get £64, £65 if you sell the Eldar on uh, eBay. And you can actually pick up, if you're lucky, at one of the Chaos Halves have actually sold for £35, £40. But I thought you can you can safely sell that, that Eldar. Bumping the price a little bit, split with a friend who wants to play Eldar, £50 each. Again, that works quite well, but the, that box is actually skewed in the favour of the Chaos players. We can actually get quite a bit of money back for the uh, the Eldar side. I then picked up a Stark Collecting Chaos Space Marines for £45.85, giving me exactly 1,000 points of Chaos Space Marines for £85.85. 85 0.08 for 8 pence, 8.5 pence per point. Which is in a similar ballpark to your uh, Seraphon, Dave. Nice. Yeah, you got a nice little Chaos Force there as well with some new minis. Yeah, so and every unit's unique. You've got some new stuff in there. You've got some old stuff in there. It's a really nice looking force as well. Plus, you've got a bit of everything, haven't you? You've got psychers, mm. you've got shooting, you've got combat, you've got vehicles. You've, you've literally got everything you need to sort of learn the fundamentals of 40k. Same thing with the Seraphon list that you came up with, Dave. You've got you got wizards, you got monsters, you got shooting, you got combat, you've got a little bit of everything, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. lots of variety, um, which is it's, really good. Um, one of the things with the, that Eldritch Omens box, 
the uh, Forge feed al- Fiend alone, I believe, is an RRP of £40. Mm. So, and obviously, yours, you, you stayed away from the, the difficulty trying to sell it. If I'm honest, I don't think there'd be any issue getting rid of those old they'd fly off the shelves wouldn't yeah, they all brand yeah. new models aren't they so yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. um so so for the price of just the forge fiend you're getting the chosen and the um the warp smith as well for free essentially so sometimes those boxes are you know they're, they're quite good if you can split the contents out keep what you want and shift the other stuff obviously you'll be careful with that because sometimes the individual components will be less than so arguably like the chaos stuff selling for less than half the price of the box so it's just kind of gauging the interest in the market isn't it mm, absolutely uh i'm i'm most impressed that you got that to a thousand points matt so it's a nice one for that andy what do you have for us so taking us away from the 41st millennium jumping back into age sigma i genuinely thought when you said age of sigma that you had done the same one as me <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to make one up on the fly. But thankfully you didn't, which is great. So um, my, um, my my box set takes us to um, what, one of the factions that I hold most dear, and that's the Ogre Moor tribes. So for me, I love a couple of things. I love armies that are small and elite because there's less models to build and paint. There's less models to buy. And there's less models to move around your tables. So the Beast Claw Raider Start Collecting Box, which has been out for basically since Age of Sigma came out, gives you almost a thousand points. It gives you about 650-ish points just in that box. So my list is a Husguard on Thunder Tusk because I wanted a Thundertus rather than a Stonehorn just because it gives me some shooting. It gives me a priest. It gives me a, a bit more variety. You could go for a Frostlord and Stonehorn, and that would actually put you above 1,000 points. Uh, similarly, you could go for a Husguard on a Stonehorn as well, and again, that would put you above 1,000 points. Um, but I went for Husguard on Thundertus, like I said, because it gives me some shooting and it gives me a priest. I then had two units of two Mournfang, which come in the box, which are battle line because your general in this particular case will be the Husguard and Thundertusk. And then to round out the force, I had a Stonehorn Beast Rider, which is a battle line. Now, for me personally, playing Age of Sigmar, if you're looking to play some fun, casual games down your local gaming club, thousand point games you know this sort of stuff you know quote unquote not competitive games and that sort of stuff then this list for me feels perfect because even the stonehorn can be you know the stonehorn beast rider can be absolutely devastating at a thousand points mm. but i don't feel like it's too much now the the actual box the start collecting box if you get it from um element games comes in at 46 pound and 75 p and the Stonehorn slash Thunder Tusk, depending on which one you build, comes in at £37.50p. Now, that is the same price whether you buy it from um, Element Games or whether you buy it from Games Workshop, because, again, it, it's one of those sort of mail order sort of things. That comes in at £84.25p, which works out at 8.6p a point. Ooh. 
which is just just behind Matt's 8.5. But again, you know, looking at this, you've got six models for a thousand points and having painted the um, Stonehorn and Thundertusk before, they're both really nice, quick models to paint. So, yeah, I think this, especially for a beginner, you know, uh, dirt cheap, low model count, nice and easy, bing, bam, bosh. Yeah, no, that's really good. And you can actually get that Beast Claw Raiders box as cheap as £42 in some places on the internet. So you could buy two of those boxes for 82 and have way over a thousand points, which is oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you, uh, I've, realistically, I think if you buy three boxes of those, that gives you two thousand points excellent um i've always been tempted to do that myself actually <laughs> but i've not got around to it yet to, to add to my ogres. i will do one one day soon but i think that's a great idea and especially like you say to people new to the hobby that don't want to have like hordes of units like loads of slash demons or anything um so that's, that's cool um jay can you can you top these lists so far well it's interesting, Andy, because I was also looking at the ogres as well. And for similar reasons, you, you you said there, you know, it's a small elite army. So, you know, some people might want a cheap army. Some people might want a cheap horde army. Some people might want a cheap elite army. So there's options out there. Um, I, too, focused on the Age of Sigmar side, um, which is a bit strange. Age of Sigmar appears from the, the, the research I've done this week for this challenge to be the cheaper system to get into. Um on the whole, on on, on average, like um, I remember, Matt used to do a lot of um, price breakdowns for, well, he still does for the for the different boxes that come out, and I, I remember Fire Slayers always popping up, uh, mm. a free magma draft. You get a free magma draft, so I, I, that's where I started my challenge on the Fire Slayers, and yeah, it was quite good, you know. Around, I, I was able to get that. I think I got to like 990 points uh, for some 80 something pounds, I think. I thought, I can do better than that. And then I went to the Ogres, um, and I, I created a 990-point um, list for just under £88 pounds, um, using two of the start collecting, so a, a Frost Lord on a Thunder Tusk, two Mournfang packs, and some Thunder Tusk Beast Rider. Um, well, that's not where I stopped. And I have to say, I think I landed on a gold mine here. So mm-hmm. what I did was I used two start collecting Thunderstrike Brotherhoods. Ooh. So these are £50 on Games Workshop, but you can get them from Wayland Games for £39.76p. Oh, wow. And in my 1,000-point list, I have two Lord Celestins on Dracoffs, three units of five Liberators from my battle line, a unit of three Prosecutors with Celestial Hammers, and a unit of three prosecutors with storm call javelins. Um, mm. And that, that comes to £79.52. Wow. Which I get a 7.9p. Now, I thought that was good, but it doesn't stop there. Oh, because for that £79.52, you actually get 1,880 points worth of army. Mm. So the spare bits I have from my 1,000-point army would allow me to add five more liberators, 10 retributors and two lord relictors well that's uh, that's very good I, I just thought if you if you were aiming for a thousand points if you took one of those thunder strike brotherhood boxes and then put go trek in that would work out at what like 59 quid 
Yeah. I mean, I know you wouldn't want to take coaching at a thousand points. It'd be way overkill. But yeah, that, that would be another way to go. But yeah, getting, what did you say? 1800 points. 1880 points. It, it comes down to no, what was it 4.2 pence per point. That's that's some serious pointage there. That's uh, pretty good. I'm surprised. The, the, so there's one that I was looking at, but I kind of discounted it because I thought it was too obvious. And it, it involved tag teaming with a friend. But the Warhammer Age of Sigma Dominion box is still available in some places for around £112. So for around £56 each, you can both go home with not only over a thousand points of either Stormcast or Cruel Boys, not only the current ranges for them, but also the full hardback Age of Sigmar rulebook as well. Yeah, it was a steal. Crazy box, good deal. Uh, obviously, Indomitus was with similar kind of value. Unfortunately, you can't get it anymore. Um, but yeah, this, it's it's been interesting doing this little. Uh, it's quite fun because there are some bargains to be had in the hobby, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it all depends on what you're you're aiming for, isn't it? And what faction really grabs your fancy. Obviously, like doing fire slayers, if you want to do tons of hearthguard berserkers, and it's obviously going to cost more than, yeah, like you said, buying two copies of Dominion and just running Stormcast. So, yeah. Like we we recently split a Fury of the Deep Box, didn't we, Andy? And you get an awful lot of models for the. You know, I think. For for what I paid for half of the box, you'd get like one and a bit units out of that, and you get two like thirty quid infantry squad. You get the shark, you get the character. I think all that alone would be like a hundred pounds, and I think the RRP is one hundred and five. Yeah, I never fire slayer one. That probably works out about one hundred and ten pound buying it all separately, and then, and we paid what like forty each. Yeah, so so really good thing and that's i guess that's one of the ways that you could potentially save money is finding someone who who has a shared interest in the hobby and uh and is interested in the battle box and to be fair the battle boxes have normally got some varied forces in them we know that there's the um the uh, daughters of cain and night haunt box coming soon and i suspect we'll probably do the same there handy won't we <laughs> yeah i mean i'm looking at the fury of deep box now and i really want to do i really want to add all those fire slayers again because again there's such good value for money buying that box and i also want the the iden of deepkin and then looking at that daughters of cain box as well i've got the daughters of cain stuff that i bought from the shadow and pain box <laughs> yeah so that works out quite nicely to um sort of bump it up to way over a thousand points yeah, so I mean, I guess for the and most factions have those start collecting boxes and combat patrols and stuff. One of the things that with sometimes and Dave, you know this, we're doing gene stealer cults. Sometimes it can be a struggle to kind of buy into an army if there isn't a cheap kind of entry point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it put me off starting the gene stealer cults for for ages. The old start collecting because it it just didn't work for multiple purchases and um, there just didn't seem a great way of starting the army i mean actually typically now the 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 new box is a much better value and it's much easier to get into it but you're still having to find yourself buying a lot of the the troops because it's quite a horde kind of army but it is made a lot easier now with the new box yeah and, and to be fair gene stealer courts have gone up in points as well so you don't i mean my uh, 
my army for the tournament of the weekend but you only got 20 odd models in it it's not a massive horde army anymore necessarily if you don't want it no, to that's be true. that's true yeah. um and the yeah. new the new box gives you loads of points you've got the nice thing with the new box is that you've got so many different types of units as well and i think that's that's sometimes one of the problems with buying multiple start collecting boxes that you've got very same units. Now, for the Fire Slayers, that ain't a problem. They've only got a handful of units and they're all built from the same few kits. Um, mm. But for other armies, like the Stormcast, for example, so um, yeah, Jay by far had the cheapest army there, um, but you're not going to have access to some of the new Stormcast well, stuff. No, not the new. It is a very old set, so it is all the first generation Stormcast models in that set. But there was, you know, there were multiple army lists you could build out of those two sets. So I didn't use any of the Retributors or the Lord Relictors, and there were two different builds for the Prosecutors, which I only used one. So yeah, and certainly for someone wanting to get into the game, like you know, if 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 you're looking to 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 dip your toe in and and try out the system, you can absolutely have some great games using those models as well. So even though they're the, the classic Stonecast models, if if you just want to go along to say a Purple Sparkle Unicorns one day tournament just to get a taste for it, um, or, or you know another friendly game, maybe a local games workshop or local gaming club and stuff, um, it's really easy to do. Um, and, and obviously we're concentrating a lot on the major systems like Age of Sigmar and 40k, but we mentioned earlier on Kill Team. Um, if if you're listening to this podcast and you're not really bought into any models yet that they maybe try something like kill team or even cheaper still we mustn't forget about warhammer underworlds yeah warhammer necromunder 26 pounds i think you can buy an entire necromunder gang now over a wide campaign you might need more models but starting out buying any one of those necromunder boxes will give you enough models to play the game now obviously there's there's additional costs like scenery and rule books and stuff and that has to be taken into account I think all of the systems have got pretty good starter boxes now. The the Necromunda one in particular, you get some zone mortality scenery, you get the full rule book, you get two gangs in there. That's mm. really fun. The the recent Kill Team box, I forget how much it is, but it's an absolute bargain. Um, mm. it, you get the um, the Death Corps of Krieg and the Orc Commandos and the full rule book in there. That's really really fun. Um, Blood Bowl is another cheap game. Obviously, those kits are going up in price a little bit, but even for thirty pounds, whatever they're going to be now, that is still your entire team. Now, again, there's some optional stuff you can add, like big guys and star players. But if you're just starting out, you and a friend could easily pick up a pitch, the rules, and a team each, and have great fun. Mm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, on the on on the wider gaming side, I mean, we've been talking about the um, Song of Ice and Fire earlier, and 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 their kind of starter boxes. I think a lot of systems have, have realised that having a nice kind of like easy entry box set is is really good for the longevity of the game. Look at Marvel Crisis Protocol. I picked up the core box of that for fifty six pounds, I believe, and it's got a load of miniatures in there. Considering that, you know, some of those models are like 20 odd pounds each if you're buying the, the individual kind of like packs of them. That's a really great way of getting into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Just do your research, really, isn't it? Uh, and don't be afraid of using places like eBay and stuff um, to try and pick up these kind of bargains. Yeah. Um, and another one, Black Friday, there's always some great uh bargains to be had then likewise the christmas boxes that games workshop do um so yeah i think there's lots of options for for gaming on the cheap these days 
absolutely. Um, if you guys actually setting you guys a bit of a challenge, um, if you've managed to create a thousand point army even cheaper than Jay, let us know on social media. We'd love to see it. Maybe there was an obvious one that we missed. Andy mentioned the the fellowship for Middle Earth. <laughs> Maybe there's a, a really cheap way of uh, of playing to Middle Earth right there. Um, so yeah, let us know uh, at Spruce and Brews on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews. Uh, we're getting towards the end of this week's podcast, but we do have one of our most our most favourite section of the podcast. It's our top three, and that's coming up next. As last weekend was the Black Library celebration, we decided for this week's top three to pick out our top three favourite Black Library novels. So we've done this one before, um, but it's it's a good one to come back to because obviously, you know, we we see quite a few books. So it should be interesting to see what we we pick. Uh, Now, where shall we start this week? Let's start with you, Jay. What's your top three Black Library books? Oh man, so many of them. I could like top 30 really, but okay, here we go. So first one, I think I mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago and I recommended you read it, Dave, because you're getting into the Tau. Ah, yeah, and yeah. It's, um, it's called, um, it's an old one um, and it's um, Firecast um, and um, by a chap called Peter Fairfarry. I don't know if he's done many Black Library books or if this was the only Black Library book he'd done. It certainly stands out from all of the other Black Library back books i've read it's got a, a certain style to it it's more of a sort of horror type book really mm. um and it's quite uh, it's quite dark quite dark and quite intense um and the sort of the sort of um story is that there's a, a an imperium world out there that's been the, the these tower fighting a guerrilla warfare in the jungles on this world uh, and some humans have defected and um a, a um a, i think he, from memory i think he's like a disgraced commissar um, or you know he's a is it down on his luck um, and he gets uh, assigned to uh, a regiment of imperial guard that get deployed to this planet to try and break this sort of guerrilla warfare that's going on um, and like I say it's a very very dark book um, and what starts out is like you know they're, they're completely um, the, the the jungle itself is almost um, you know as deadly a foe as the Tau and the guerrilla uh, rebel um, uh, humans. Um, but then uh, there's also a, uh, a chaos sort of taint to it all as well. Um, really, really recommend it. Like I say, it's very different from any other book I've read. And it, when I was reading it, it reminded me a lot of, um, if you remember the Soul Reaver games on the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and not not because that's a vampire game. There's no vampires or anything like that. But I always remember when I played Soul Reaver, it was, it was almost like all these different mini bosses that you'd work through the story. And that's what this book's like. There's lots of mini bosses and it's really, really good. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend um, Firecast. And like I said, the, the tower in it as well. So it's got something in there for you, Dave and the Imperial Guard. I think you would like it. But it's very dark. It's it sort of left me feeling a bit sort of um, depressed after reading it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so that was, that was my number three. Um, my number two choice. Um, it's a tough on this. Very tough. This could easily have been my number one choice, but I'm going to make it my number two choice. And it's Master of Mankind by Aaron Dembski. Oh, I know. I know. I expected it, this to be number one. It could have been my number one. So I, I like this for all sorts of reasons. So this is the book to read if you're an Adeptus Custodes fan. Um, so this is it's set alongside the Siege of Terror. So the siege is going on, but this book is very much focused on the war in the webway in the Imperial dungeons beneath the um, Imperial Palace. Um, and whilst 
whilst the, 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 the Horus is waging his war on the surface of Terra and across the solar system, uh, or the galaxy, the the ten thousand, the Empress Custodians and the Sisters of Silence are basically bleeding to death in the Imperial Dungeons. Um and it is an amazing book. So cinematic. There's so many cool scenes in there that you know, you're reading it, it's it's almost like you're watching a Hollywood movie. Uh, he Aaron Densky Bowden has really done the Adeptus Custodies and the Sisters of Silence and the Legio Titanicus and the Imperial Knights justice in this book. Um and one of my favourite Horus Heresy characters, Zephon, Dominion Zephon, the Blood Angel, who has just had a model released on the Black Library um, celebrations last weekend. He's up for pre-order now. Um, he featured, he, he, he was first sort of um, uh, shown in this, in this novel. Um, there's this sort of um, crippled Blood Angel who's um, he's sent back to Earth as like an honour guard. But it's, it's sort of like a, a, a honour duty he has to do. He can't fight anymore. He can't even um, fire a bolt gun properly anymore. Uh, but he, he finds himself sort of um, dragged into this fight in the Imperial Dungeons. And um, the Adeptus Custodes don't trust the Astartes. Um, they, 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 and um, they um, they don't allow very many of them into the Imperial Dungeons. So it, it was really cool, the dynamic between Zephon and the Adeptus Custodes. And Ark and Land is in this book as well. It's got so many cool scenes. Um, one of my favourites from the Siege of Terror. I, I suspect it's only going to be knocked off the uh, podium with Aaron Dembski Bowden's next book uh, in the Siege of Terror series, uh, which is there a title for that? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, there is. I forget what it's called. Um, but yeah, he's writing the penultimate uh, Horus Heresy book. Yeah, which is um, which which I believe will be uh, a highlight of that. But will be Sanguinius fighting uh, the uh, Cabanda outside the Eternity Gates. Yeah, um, Cabanda. <laughs> I've read a lot of Blood Angels novels. I've read um, all of the Blood Angels novels in the Horus Heresy series, and I've never really got on with them. I don't. I, my favorite Legion to read about is probably the Ultramarines and the Imperial Fists. I, I, I love reading about those two legions. I think the Traitor Legions are are just as interesting. So it's very interesting reading about the Iron Warriors of all legions. I didn't think I'd be interested in them, but I, but I do like reading about the Iron Warriors. But the the little tiny bits of Blood Angels um, that Aaron Dembski Bowden writes about in Master of Mankind. So there's, there's like a flashback in the Plains of Ulanor and Sanguinis is there and Zephon going down the Imperial Dungeons and he catches a glimpse of um, of like a mural to his um, his gene father, that Sanguinius the Primarch. R- really, really cool. Really, really enjoy reading about the Blood Angels when Aaron Dembski Bowden writes about them. So I'm really looking forward to the next book. Yeah. Um, I, I very nearly had Master of Mankind on my list, but I knew that you'd put it on the go. And, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chaos fanboy, but there's some really cool moments. I mean, me boys, Legion of Ignatum, are having a war in the webway. That's pretty cool. We see uh, the, the, the genesis of uh, Drachtheon, Abaddon's sword as well, slash demon. Yeah. So, yeah, really cool stuff in that book. It is cool. And uh, the fighting over the ruins of an Eldar city in the webway. Um, and like, it, oh yeah, it's really good. That's it, isn't it? It's the demon of the first murder, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I, I, and the good thing about Master Mankind as well is that I think you can just pick it up and read it. You don't really need to have read much more in the Horus Heresy series because there's obviously like 60, 70 odd books in the Horus Heresy series. This one does sort of stand as a work as a sort of standalone book. I found. I don't, you know, I think you can just pick it up and read it. Um. So the, the the number one book on my list is another Aaron Dembski-Bowden book, and it's Black Legion. Mm. Um, so I am definitely not a Chaos fanboy, 
but these books were fantastic. So I, I believe there's going to be a trilogy, and um, the, the author's only written two of them so far. So I think the first one was called Talon of Horus, and the second one was called Black Legion. Um, and, and basically, they tell the story through the eyes of a, of a thousand sun, an ex Thousand Sons sorcerer, um, of the sort of after the Horus Heresy, what happened to the legions in the Eye of Terror, specifically what happened to the Sons of Horus and Abaddon and the formation of the Black Legion. Um, but the second book in particular is very, very good because in the second book, the Black Legion burst through the Eye of Terror in their first Black Crusade. And it's funny you mentioned the demon Draconian and the sword, um, Matt, previously, because this book sort of does tie into Master of Mankind because Abaddon at this point is is on a quest almost to, to, to try and retrieve this sword. Um, and... I don't want to give too much away about the book, so I'm not going to say too much about it. Um, but my favourite horror series character, Sigismund, plays a big part in this book as well. And the scenes between um, Abaddon and um, Sigismund um, just blew me away. It, it was just a fantastic scene. I have not read a duel or a, a scene like Abaddon versus Sigismund in any of the Black Library books. Um, absolutely incredible. And I'd recommend you pick up those books and read those books just so you can get to the bit where Abaddon faces Sigismund. So that's my number one choice. And it ties in quite nicely, actually, because... I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> at the, last weekend, um, the Sigismund book was up for pre-order. So this is like an origin story of Sigismund. Um, is it John French? I believe is written. I believe so. Did you did you manage to get a copy? You you holding fire for the? Uh, the I'm holding fire for the audio book. I want to listen to it as an audio book. But yeah, I was very tempted because I mean Sigismund is one of my favourite characters in the Horus Heresy series, so uh, it'd be great to to read more about him. Um, so yeah, so they're my top three books. An absolutely solid um solid three books there, Jay. Um, I'm gonna go next with with my top three. This is probably very similar to my last one. Um. I don't probably read quite as much as you guys, but I do try and um, read as much as I can. But there's there's three books for me um, that I think will always be up there as is my favourite about library no- novels. The first one is for the Emperor, and it marked the start of the Ca- the, the Caiaphas Cain books. So I've spoken about um, Cain quite a bit on this podcast in the past. I don't think any of you guys have read his books yet, have you? I've read the no. first one. Does it start off where he's running towards the Tyranids? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's a grim place, the the Warhammer 40k universe. And this just brings a bit of comedy um, into into 40k, whilst also still retaining all, like, the gory details and stuff. But, yeah, in essence, it's about this committer who's just, he's just lucky, isn't he? He's... he's He's, he's got into this position. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to. Ra- he'd rather retreat than, you know, be heroic and lead his troops forward. But he just always seems to come out on top. And he's got his his sort of smelly little. Um, it's basically kind of, a black adder, isn't it? it it's Baldrick, yeah, uh, with with Jurgen uh, as his little sidekick. Um, and I loved it. And I don't think there's been a new one for quite some time, unless I've I've missed it. But. Um, absolutely fantastic books you can get them in like an anthology which is how i um first got into it but for the for the emperor was was the first one um and that that really started off the series for me uh well worth a read especially if you want something less serious uh we then move on to my second choice 
Um, I still think well, 50% of this team is in the Mortal Realms, and I still feel the other 50% is going to make an appearance somehow. I don't know how. Probably Stormcast. I don't know. Um, but let's go checking Felix. Uh, and in particular, I, 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 quite, I like quite a few of their books. But I decided, seeing as I went for for the Emperor for for Kane, I'll go with their first book, Troll Slayer, because that's that introduced us to this pairing, this unlikely um, team of of, of 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 dwarf slayer and a bard, basically, um, you know, a human bard, uh, and their adventure sort of begins with Troll Slayer, um, and obviously continues past the world that was. Uh, and and Goshek has obviously now got his own books uh, in the mortal realms Um, I think this series of books would make fantastic kind of TV I'd love to see a Warhammer animation tackle Goshek and Felix Um, they'd probably be more likely to just do Goshek now and keep it Age of Sigmar but um, it's a brilliant character Matt I know you're a big fan of the the, the audio well the the newer audio books of Brian Blessed Mm. Um, yeah absolutely they're really really good He's such a fun character. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked um, all of the Go Trek and Felix books. And I really need to catch up on the, the Go Trek Mortal Realms ones because I've only read um, Ghoul Slayer so far. And that leads us to our top choice. And and actually, we saw this get re-released with like an illustrated version at the, the weekend. It's, I think it's currently up for pre-order. Uh, and that's Xenos, the first Eisenhorn novel. Um, so I am a massive fan of the Inquisition, um, and I think Eisenhorn's probably the reason for that. Um, reading his books really got me into the Inquisition uh, in Imperial Agents. Is uh, a very dark character. Obviously, as the series goes on. You know, is he is he actually a bit too radical? Um, kind of make your own mind up sort of um, deal going on here. Um, but he's a superb character. The books are, you know, incredibly well written. Uh, and I'm really happy he's now got a model on the tabletop as well, which if I'm taking my Death Watch on Sunday, he will almost definitely be in that list. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. So that's that's my top three. Um, do we move over to Andy next? What, what's, what's your top three, Andy? So my third choice starts us off with a, I'm trying to think of a witty pun, um, something to spark the flames of war. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Um, and that is one of a few Horace Hosey novels I've actually read, and that's Galaxy in Flames. Oh yes. So for me, this was like I I, I read Horace Rising. I read um, uh, my mind's gone blank. The False second gods. one, False Gods, and then I read Galaxy in Flames. And for me, this felt like the perfect trilogy to start the Horace Hosey off, because you got to see in Galaxy in Flames you really got to see the heresy kick off you know Horace and uh, all the other sort of like traitor legions that are there they are purging their own legion of loyalists they are purging their legions of people who they feel are too loyal to the emperor which you know the day before would have been considered really really good but on this particular day it's a really really bad thing what was quite scary about it as well Horus is trying to be quite subtle about it, sending people down to the planet and virus bombing it. It's not until Angron gets all Angrony and jumps down <laughs> on the planet and kind of plays Horus's hand. Horus probably would have got away with purging half of his legion. Yeah. Had it not been for Angron, yeah. Um, 
but yeah i mean the the book itself was absolutely phenomenal especially like the epic showdown and we had i think lucius the eternal was actually uh, on the loyalist uh, side to yes. begin with and then he sort of uh, was, yeah. realizes that they're not gonna win and and swap sides well he's got the blade at that point hadn't he as well the lear blade i think it is isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately he takes a land raider to the face if i remember rightly I think Khan the Betrayer takes a Land Raider to the face. Oh, is it Khan? Yeah, I think it's Khan. I um, like the Dreadnought. Is it? I can't remember which Legion the Dreadnought belongs to. Where they start virus bombing it. Obviously, all the Legionnaires that survived, they sort of try and lock themselves in the bunkers and things, don't they? And he's, he tries to seal his um, the the um, the seals on his like Dreadnought armour, but it's not quite successful. Yeah, it... And, and and you had the uh, the epic showdown between Garviel Loken and Abaddon right at the end, mm. which in my mind is a stalemate. It, it, you know, it's only some falling debris that that interrupts the fight. A little bit of falling debris. Yeah, a little bit of falling debris. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, for for me, this was one of those books that for me, I I I'd grown so. Uh, I, I loved all the characters in it throughout the entire series of this trilogy. And then to see at the end of it, you know, I, I mean, I knew what was going to happen. I knew that the quote unquote heretics were, were going to beat the majority of the loyalists in these, you know, these legions. But it was still super cool to to read and, and see what happened. So that's my third choice. My second choice takes us to the Mortal Realms. And I've just finished it, and that is Dominion. So in this, we get to see a bunch of different sort of factions come together. We get to see the Grand City of Excelsius at the beginning, and it really shows you what sort of life in the mortal realms is all about. It you know it begins with two kids running away from a horde of orcs with their dad, who's a bit of a hunter, and then you know all of a sudden, you know spoilers, a little hobgrot comes out kills the dad but the kids manage to get to the to the city safe and sound and we get to see the dawnbringer crusade in the realm of gur and you know the the struggles that they go on and there's a bit in the book where there's a, a river that they get to but the river isn't your standard river made out of water it's a river made out of like eel-like creatures that's with the worst kind of river. river so, <laughs> so trying to sort of swim down that, you have no hope. You will get devoured. So then they have to like build um, ships that are only sort of meant to sort of get down the river and all this sort of stuff. But we we get to see what human life is like in the realms. We get to see Stormcast, and you know Stormcast are not infallible. They're not the be all and end all. You know they they. In the in this book, don't get me wrong, all the Stormcast characters are super cool and super interesting, but they get led astray by cruel boys, and the cruel boys basically sort of leave them around these swamps for days and days at a time, and the Stormcast have no idea where they're going or what's happening or anything, and the cruel boys realise that they can't just beat the Stormcast in a straight up fight, but they're not trying to fight them, and that's what makes the cruel boys so cool as a as a bad guy quote unquote bad guy the cool it, boys the cool boys yes i like that um so yeah so we we got to see um sort of this whole sort of struggle for good versus evil and mystery and you know i mean the cruel boys aren't even 
they are like quote unquote the big bad guys at the end. But there's other forces that they fight. You know, we see Krakens and Mega Gargants, and there's a bit where Nighthorn attack them at night simply because they just happen to be passing through where they are. You know, there's there's no other reason for it. But the ending for me really made it so satisfying. Like there's so much death in the book. But right at the very end, and again, I'm not going to spoil it because if anyone's reading it or whatever, but the ending for me was a happy ending, as happy as, you know, the mortal realms can be in the realm of Gur and, you know, a strange city. But yeah, it, it was such a good book. Really, really enjoyed it. And then my first choice. So my first choice is actually, I don't want to say it's multiple books, but it because I didn't read it as multiple books. And that's The Blood Angels Omnibus Part 1, which for me, I, I mean, I like Blood Angels. They're super cool. But this book for me just covered all the bases. You know, we start off on um, a random, um, I think it's like a random um, graveyard planet. And literally the only thing on this planet is a squad of blood angels that's it there's nothing else and yet the word bearers have attempted to lay siege to this planet and you know bizarrely enough you know they they take over the planet and the blood angels almost have to stage like a guerrilla sort of warfare and they take back the planet and then go after their attackers and they follow the attackers the word bearers to their planet but as this is all going on like this big story there's a heretic in their midst and this heretic is planting seeds of doubt and planting sort of, you know, the, the final plan as it were. And two of the characters, there's um, brother Raffin, who's basically just a tactical Marine and brother Archeo, who's basically like a sergeant of um, a stern guard squad from the, I want to say second company, I think it is, or third company, Blood Angels with all the veterans and stuff. And Arceo basically goes down this route of believing he is the new Sanguinius. He is the one that should replace Dante. And he's almost a victim of this heretic's sort of twist. And yeah, seeing seeing that sort of play out and towards the end, I think Mephiston turns up because he wants to see whether, you know, Arceo is a... Archeo, I think his name is, is the real deal or whatever. And of course, psychers can see through the illusions of chaos and stuff. And he knows straight away what is going on. And, you know, I don't want to say he steals the spotlight at the end because he doesn't. But it, 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 there's so many cool things. You know, I love the Blood Angels. I love the word bearers. You know, I loved all the characters in it. It was such a good book and there's even a little um sort of prologue chapter in between the books that kind of hints at who the heretic is but doesn't tell you and it was yeah it was such a good book even now i'm sort of like going oh i might go back and reread that but <laughs> yeah and that's my first choice excellent uh very very good uh that leaves us with one final person to ask for, the, for their top three and that's your good self, Matt. Yeah, so spoilers, all three of my books are set in the Horus Heresy period. 
It was so tough to make this list. Um, I want to give a little shout out to one that didn't make my list. And Dave, I don't know if you've read it, but you absolutely need to. The Infinite and the Divine. Oh, yes, I do want to read this. So so without, without spoiling anything, this is basically um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure with Necrons written by Terry Pratchett, <laughs> but directed by Ridley Scott. It's the best way I can describe that book. It's it's great. Um, it, it, but unfortunately, it didn't make my list. But yeah, if you like Necrons and you like comedy and you like 40K, give it a read. It's 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 very different to all the other 40K books. Uh, my number three choice, however, is The First Heretic by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. So, you know, I had to mention me, Boy Lorgard, didn't I? This is, I'd argue, this is a brilliant jumping on point for the Horus Heresy. I think I've said this in the past when I've talked about this book. You kind of you learn about the the backstory and the manipulations of the forces of chaos and how it's basically Cortharen and Erebus that starts this whole mess anyway. Short version is the um the the the, the word bearers are quite devout religious fellows who absolutely love and adore the emperor, their father. They, they, some of they see as a god and they they build a massive kind of um uh, kind of spectacle, a, a shrine to him on a planet. Called called Monarchia and Bobby G and Malkador turn up and are like come on now Lorgar this ain't quite right you shouldn't be making shrines to the emperor and Lorgar's like oh what do you know and then Malkador goes fine I'll call your dad and then the emperor turns up and he's like <laughs> what are you doing Lorgar this is an absolute state how dare you and humiliates him in front of his entire legion it's all very depressing so after this the uh he's all upset Lorgar's had a really bad day. His dad's come and shouted at him. He's blind to the population of this planet who adores him. He's like, oh, what are we doing worshipping this guy? And then Erebus turns up and he's like, wow, there might be other beings that you can worship that are much better. And so they decide to fly into the Eye of Terror because that never goes wrong. But it's all right. The custodians have come along to keep an eye on them because, you know, they're definitely up to no good. Uh, and yeah, lots of stuff happens, culminating in them dropping the Gellerfield of their ships and getting possessed by demons and uh yeah we, we, we see a range of stuff from that kind of pre-heresy area right through to the drop site massacre and i believe the book ends with them heading off to calf to do presumably have a nice tea party with the ultramarines <laughs> such a good book and really kind of captures the the the, uh, the downfall of the the word bearers and how they're not really bad guys it's all the emperor's fault for being mean to them <laughs> the custodies are in that book as well they are yeah yeah and the custodies you see their fighting prowess thing it says like each custodian the equivalent to like a thousand marines and they all fight independently but still as a unit lots of really cool stuff there uh, second on my list is fulgrim by graham mcneil so again a very on brand this top three but this book tells the the, the downfall of fulgrim the primarch of the emperor's children and this is such a good book and it gets dark pretty quickly we see not only the the, the emperor's children fall into chaos but even the the kind of ship hands and the remembrances and the people that are stationed on their ship you know they're, they're encouraged to do art but it gets more and more debauched as the story goes on there's there's a painting crafted with bodily fluids that eventually becomes the vessel that fulgrim soul trapped in while while uh, the demon takes his body yeah really 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 cool stuff and if you haven't read it absolutely read it number one on my list though is it's a relatively recent one uh saturnine by dan abner now again 
I know, Dave, you're not this far in the in the Siege of Terror, Probably but this not. is an absolutely amazing book. Can't really talk much about it without going into spoiler territory, but there's some epic moments, and it really kind of uh, that's how it captures the that moment in the war. Essentially, Dawn learns of a plan that's in action by the uh, by Abaddon, who's kind of gone a bit rogue, really. And, and Dawn really has to play a bit of a gambit and sacrifice some of his forces in order to save the greater good. We see some epic battles. We see Dawn take the field. We see full grimming combat. Just read it. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I remember when you first finished, well, as you were reading this book, Matt, you, you spoke about it for about a month, saying how amazing it was. So I'm not surprised this was your top choice. Uh, not surprised at all. Um, uh, the Horace Heresy is just home to some of the best writing at the moment, isn't it? It, it really is. It really, really is. I'm kind of. It's a bit sad that there's only two books left at this point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, do we know who's writing the final one then? If Aaron Dembski Bowen's doing the. I suspect Dan Abner will probably finish off the series since he wrote the first book. Ah, good call. Good call. Excellent. Well, you've heard our top three choices. Uh, it's time to head into our final segment of this week's podcast. It's time for the community top three, and that's coming up next. So what Black Library no- novels do you guys really enjoy? It's time to read out the community top three picks. And we're going to start over on Facebook with Sean Gleason. He's gone for Troll Slayer. BFG Execution Hour and the Eisenhorn series. Great choices, Sean. Next up is Liam Neal. His third choice is Master of Mankind, of which he said, read this after you guys spoke about it and loved it. So it loved how it showed a side of the Custodians and Emperor I'd not read before. His second choice is then the Ravna series. He knows it's cheating, but they're great books with great characters. Got them on Audible, and they are some of the best things I've listened to. And his top choice is is also Blood Angels. They seem to have got quite a bit of mention in the Black Library. Um, And that's the Dante book. Loved this book. Um, It was his first Black Library book, uh, and has read it time and time again. Loved the background of how he became a Blood Angels um, chapter master from, from from a simple boy to a space marine. Josh Upton. He's mentioned this is a tough one. Can I make it a top 10 instead? That's what you guys have said. Um, his third choice is Baneblade. An excellent view of life as a guardsman with lots of awesome tank battles and compelling characters. His second choice uh, is also uh, Saturnine. Uh, probably my favourite heresy book to date. So many characters died and was really gripping to listen to the entire time. And his top choice is Spear of the Emperor. I always like to see lesser known chapters become fleshed out. And having a Space Marine book from a human's perspective was really what sold me on this. If you guys haven't read it yet, I couldn't recommend it enough. I've heard very good things about this book. Actually. That's I did reply. Bounds as well, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah, I did reply to him and say, I'm going to have to check that out. Because I, I, I've heard that mentioned before uh, as a really good book. So I'm going to look out for that. Um, what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? So over on Twitter, Spencer says, Fulgrim. Absolute horror show of a perfect being descending into depravity and excess after being corrupted. Uh, Sanction and sin are looking to the lives of ordinary citizens in the 41st millennium. And dead men walking, grim, dark, cranked up to 11. And I believe that features the death core of Krieg. Uh, Anonymous Rex says, Storm of Iron, my first ever exposure to Warhammer via a random Christmas gift alongside the battle from the crank box. Uh, 15 hours. 
and the saga of the mortal realms. The first audiobook I tried, the majority of the story follows a storm host being sent to find the gash. Fabius Fulgrim says Bloodlines, Talon of Harris and Fulgrim. Average Paint says this is really, really difficult. But number one, Betrayer by Aaron Dembski Bowden. Number two, the Araman series by John French. And number three, Spear of the Emperor, also by ADB. Uh, Jack says Xenos, first and only cheating, but the Ragnar Blackmane series, as they were my first Black Library novel. Richard Bell says Storm of Iron, great setting and full of action from start to finish. Hammers of Ulrich, great idea having three authors writing one book. Uh, and Lionel Johnson, great book, but mostly because I'm a uh, Dark Angels fan. Claude Savagely says, Prospero Burns, one of the highlights of the Heresy series and a repeat listen for me. Number two, Eyes and Horn, where all the Inquisitor stories began. And number one, Necropolis, which cemented my love of Gaunt's oh, yeah. Ghost. Uh, and a superb book I've been back to. Uh, Lee says, Hell's Reach by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. Gildar Rift by Sarah Corkwell. And Erdesh by Matthew Farrer. Um, Lord Andrew Dennett says Only in Death by Dan Abner, but any Gaunt Ghosts book would make the list. Warriors of Ultimar by Graham McNeil and Bruner by C.L. Werner. Uh, but then puts I'd like to keep Only in Death and replace with Saturnine and No No Fear or Fear to Tread. Picking three is too, too hard. Uh, <laughs> the Black Wolf says Luther by Gav Thorpe. A Thousand Sons by Graham McNeil and Necropolis by Dan Abnett. The Warlord of Didcot says the Emperor's Gift, Space Wolves being oh, honourable yeah. and belligerent, the Inquisition being paranoid. Yeah, it was a good book. Uh, Titan Death, Big Robots Hitting Each Other. That was a cool book as well. Uh, Angel Exterminatus, The Full Grim and Perturabo Show, uh, with Thalby Eel and the Eldar being duplicitous. Yeah, that was the one that had uh, uh, Fabius Bile in it. Yeah, and it also had... Um, uh, it, it was like a, a, a raven guard and a salamander. They were on like a um, covert ops mission. And um, oh, I can't remember what the name of the raven guard was now. But reading about him, I was so close after reading that book to building and painting a raven guard army just because of that <laughs> one character. This is, this is always how it goes. Um, yeah. Josh says Titanicus by Dan Abner, The First Heretic by Aaron Dembski Bowden, and Skaven Slayer by Bill King. And Chris Ray says Bloodlines by Chris Wright. Flesh and Steel by Guy Haley and Supporterum by Nick Kime. I really like Warhammer Crime. So, yeah, really good. And you know what I like about this this list from the community? We've got very few duplicates there. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. It just shows the the strength in in Black Library that we saw quite a few books. um, A few there that I've I've not quite a few lot that I haven't read. Um, There was only a couple that kind of got repeated. Um, and, and just going on, on what Jay said, Necropolis, I think that was the first Clones Ghost book I read based on Jay's recommendation. It was a fantastic book. Um, really, really good. Uh, that leads me to ask the question, Matt, what would be next week's top three? Well, I don't have a top three for you next week. However, we have a community uh, special top three. Uh, Anonymous Rex wants to know our top three Forge World models. Ooh. Are these past and present or just present? Of all time. I think this is in honour of uh, Vorgreth and Scarlock uh, <laughs> saying goodbye from the store. So, yeah, let's say top three Forge World models of all time. Excellent. You can get your choices in early viral social media or alternatively uh, hang on until we pop the post up just before our next podcast recording asking for your top threes uh, and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show. 
Gentlemen, I think um, the next time I'll, I'll, I'll see you in person, Matt, is at a practice game on Saturday. But I believe it's going to be tournament time when we're going to really be all together in one room, um, which means next week we're going to be talking about how we got on um, and see who, uh, who who comes out on top. Um, my prediction is not me. It is a matter of <laughs> honour. So, yeah, we need to have a, a... Are you playing in this one, Andy? Uh, I am, yes. Um, you are? I, okay. I'm, I'm definitely not aiming for that wooden spoon. That might not be a wooden spoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know how we got on next time on the show. Excellent. Until then, have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews. <laughs>